Well, friends, it's now time for us to uh, launch into our question time. There are eight questions here, and there are a whole lot more in the bank waiting for future weeks. So if I don't get to yours today, I haven't forgotten about it. But uh, in the interest of time, there's only so many I can answer. And here are a few related to the last couple of weeks in particular. And the first is, when it says that the heavens will be destroyed, isn't it talking about the sky? Well, last week we had a question about Judgment Day because we've had four weeks on judgment. And uh, on that, uh, I quoted from 2 Peter 3 that said, On that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. So the person who's asking said, couldn't the word heavens here just be referring to the sky? Well, they've got a point, actually, because when we understand our earth, we sort of look around from here, we sort of see, you know, the earth and the sky. Well, the word for sky is the same word in the original language as heaven. So when it talks about the heavens and the earth, it's kind of talking about everything that you can see in the creation. And uh, that is what will be set on fire in that sense. But the word heaven, where God lives, is, is also heaven. It's not the sky, but it's kind of like that spiritual place that he dwells. And uh, that is the place that in the new creation we will see heaven be and earth be together as we have God worship, well, us worshipping God in that place. Question two. If we confess our sins but continue anyway, does this mean we're not really sorry for them? Well, sort of. I think if you say sorry for something and then you do it again, then it may mean that you're not really sorry at all. But it could also mean that you're really struggling with something and you're finding it hard to stop. And that's the Christian life, isn't it? That we struggle with sins. We think, oh, I'm just not going to gossip again about that. I'm sorry, Lord. And then it happens again. You think, oh, is he going to keep forgiving me? Well, yes, he will. Isn't that a great joy? And you can insert any sin you like into that spot. And the same is still the case. He will continue to forgive us, which is a wonderful thing. And it's, it's the Christian life. We we sin, we ask for forgiveness, and he says, I forgive you. And that's why when we come together for church on Sundays, we will always say a prayer of confession because it's what we do together and we say together, sorry, Lord, we realize we live in a world of sin and we are part of the problem and we're sorry. And every week we hear the gospel repeated to us again. It says you're forgiven because of Jesus. Question three, were the faithful Old Testament people saved by the death of Jesus like us? Well, if people like Adam and Abraham and David and Daniel, if all those guys could have been saved without the death of Jesus, then to be honest, we wouldn't have needed Jesus at all. We just would have needed to be a bit more like Adam and a bit more like David. But the point is that they could not save themselves. And yet they are saved. So how? Well, there's no other way to understand it than they were saved by Jesus like we are if we trust in him. Kind of funny to think that that someone like Abraham or Isaac or Jacob would actually be saved by Jesus, even though they lived thousands of years before that. But that's the way it works. His death on the cross and his resurrection at that first Easter has a ripple effect throughout history, the whole of history. And so that is why we can know that the faithful people who lived before Jesus, who, who went along to the temple and they sacrificed animals and they had the priests and all that stuff, that they understood what it meant to be committed and devoted to God and they understood forgiveness and they understood sacrifice and they understood sin and they understood holiness but it was only in Christ that they fully had all those things fulfilled for them and so they were saved by the blood of Jesus as we are if we trust in him. A curly question that's related to that is that since the Old Testament saints were saved by Christ without knowing all about him which is what we've just said 
then couldn't this also apply to those who haven't heard about Jesus, presumably today? So what this sort of the argument goes that let's say there's somebody in deepest, darkest, wherever, and they don't know about Jesus at all, but for some reason they recognise that they need to come to God and they need to submit to him and say sorry, and they realise that it's by grace that they've been saved and they don't fully understand all the details, but they have had this vision from God that has led them to worship him and all, all that stuff, kind of like an Old Testament person would. The question asks, could they be actually saved by Jesus as well? And I think the answer is yes, they could. But I don't know. But what we do know from two things that we looked at last week, first is that everybody on this planet is without excuse. No one's going to say, oh, I never guessed there was a God. It's like, did you ever open your eyes? But secondly, we know from Romans 10 that it's only by hearing the gospel and believing it that a person will be saved. So we know those things are true. But it may be that God in his super-duper mercy may in fact reveal himself in a way that is consistent with all of that so that people in other parts of the world may actually come to know Jesus and come to know God through Christ in that way. But that doesn't stop us needing to go around and tell people. And that's why we are passionate about mission, about sending out the word of God to all parts of the world so that all can know Jesus. Question five. Won't there be sadness in heaven when people realise their loved ones are in hell? That's a fairly uh, emotional question, isn't it? And and rightly so. I think in one sense, yes. Uh, 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 One sense, sorry, I'll start again. I think in one sense, we we need to say that if, if people in heaven could see their loved ones in hell, they would be sad. And that's why I think we can't. I think that if you spent your whole time looking down and saying, oh, don't do that, oh, they've messed up their life, oh, why didn't my kid listen to me, ah, you think that's not heaven, (laughs) far from it. So I think that that there will be that disconnect there, and that's okay. But there's also a point where um, when we are with Christ in heaven, we will love justice a lot more than we do today. And so when we see someone who is being punished and judged for rebelling against God, we'll say that is a good thing because we know the glory of God is so, so great. Which sort of leads us to the next question. Question six, should we be thankful when militant atheists are sent to hell? You know, the people who really, really hate Jesus. It's not just a kind of like, well, I'm just not so sure I want to be a follower. It's like I hate Jesus and I hate and I want to kill Christians. Should we rejoice? Should we be thankful when they're sent to hell? Well, hear what God said in Ezekiel 33.11. He said, as surely as I live, says the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of wicked people. I only want them to turn from their wicked ways so they can live. Turn, turn from your wickedness, O people of Israel. Why should you die? And you'll recognise that verse because it's something that we have as a verse within our services on Sunday morning from time to time in the prayer book. Uh, God doesn't want people to, doesn't want the death of wicked people. He wants them to turn from their ways. And that's why we have the gospel now. And so I think that same should apply to us, that we should not be thankful when militant atheists are sent to hell in that sense. However, if we fast forward to the end of the Bible in Revelation 19, as the people are there around the throne and they see the smoke of judgment bellowing out, they are singing hallelujah to God. Praise the Lord, they're saying, because they understand the glory of God's judgment and the glory of God. And so that leads them to rejoice when justice is fully done because finally it means that the whole universe knows for sure that God truly is God. Two to come, will there be sin in hell? It's a good question, isn't it? I had to really scratch my head about this one. 
Uh, sin is about rejecting God. You know, we do sins, so we might steal or lie or, or whatever it is, lust or something, but, but that will mean that we are doing things that are an outworking of a deeper issue, which is sin more generally. Sin more generally is saying, God, you're not the king, I'm the king. I reject you as my leader, I follow myself. I know better than you, God. Leave it to me. That's what sin is. Will that be continuing on in hell? I, I think so. And that is because I think in hell there is no room for repentance. Uh, it's not like people can get to hell and say, oops, you know, I really should have turned to Jesus. Jesus, I'm truly sorry. Would you forgive me? It's like that day is over. That, that, that train is gone. The, the bus has left. And so in that sense, because there's no repentance in hell, I think that that would mean that there continues to be sin, sin in hell, that, that anger towards God. Question eight. How do you stay true to God when people are hurting you? Well, we need to remember that life this side of heaven continues to be full of hurt. Uh, just because you follow Jesus doesn't mean that everything is going to be a bed of roses. In, in fact, often it can be worse. Uh, we can be sure that, that one thing we are promised as followers of Jesus is persecutions. And so we need to recognize that when you're being hurt, it's not that God doesn't like you or that you're not being a good enough Christian or something silly like that. It's just the normal Christian life. And so stay true to God, knowing that that's what life is like. But at the same time, if someone is hurting you, then it'd be good to tell someone you trust about it. And I said this to everyone last night and include a whole lot of younger people as well. And that is that if a child is being hurt by an adult, then an adult needs to step in and care for them and deal with them and, and report it if it's necessary. And I think there's also a point where if you're being hurt in some sort of relationship, we've got signs around about domestic violence, then, then you need to speak up to and, and let us help you. But the big picture in all of this is pray that God would help you to trust him in the hard times. And be like Jesus who said, turn the other cheek, pray for those, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you.